Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always on this Monday. We're coming off a weekend in which Oregon's 9-0 winning streak has come to an end. Uh, Oregon obviously opened the year with a loss, tough emotional last second loss to Auburn and Dallas, and then strung together nine straight wins, a top six ranking in the college football playoff, and all they basically had to do was beat Arizona State on the road, beat Oregon State, and then win a very tough but winnable game against Utah, and you're in the college football playoff as a, as a top four team in the country. That does not happen now. Oregon loses 28-31 to 31 Saturday evening in Tempe. The Sun Devil Stadium was stormed. Uh, just an overall shocker. I mean, we, we drove back to our hotel room, and we're still like two or three hours after the game was over, and still in pretty much disbelief that that is the game that Oregon played. Like the, the way that they played that game was shocking. You know, and I think in reflection, two two parts of the game I think is where Oregon lost, and it's two things that you would not have expected to yes. be the cause. Um, Justin Herbert throws two interceptions in I think like four plays early in the fourth quarter. Arizona State scores ten points off of that. Herbert coming into the game had three interceptions all season. Arizona State had been pretty good at forcing turnovers, but even with that fact, like, this is just something we haven't seen Herbert do yeah. all season. And even in his career, he's been really effective in limiting turnovers. So to see him make those two mistakes was really costly. And frankly, like, go back and watch those plays. Like, they're just I, I'm ill-advised. I don't know what he was really looking at or trying to figure out there. All he would say is just, I made poor reads. Yeah, and he did. That's, I mean, I think he's being honest and accurate there. He made poor decisions with the football, something he hadn't really done all season. Like, sure, there had been times where he tried to force the ball in tight windows, but he wasn't forcing the ball in tight windows. He was just throwing the ball to the wrong part of the field. I mean, he, both of those were basically thrown at Arizona State defenders. They picked it off, set uh, Arizona State up for a uh, touchdown and then a field goal, and suddenly it goes from being a one-score game to being a three-score game and not feeling remotely winnable. And, of course, they made a ra- rally and almost won, but... The other thing that happened was Oregon secondary has been one of the best secondaries in the country yeah. um, all season. They've had great statisticals, uh, they've had great stats all season. And one of the things that made them so good all year was they just don't get beat deep. Um, coming into this game, they had zero pass plays of over 50 yards on the entire season. Had not been beat over the top for a 50-yard game. And that's a, by the way, that's like a testament to how well these guys have played. But twice against Arizona State, they're beat in that in that fashion. First, Frank Darby for 57 yards for Arizona State's first touchdown. And then an 81-yard absolute backbreaker. Seal the game. Diamond Lenore gets beat. Nick Pickett, um, as a safety, doesn't get over in time to really make a play either. And the result is Brandon Ayuk basically running 81 yards down the field uh, for a touchdown. Another great throw from Jaden Daniels, who... He was perfect. He was incredible um, on Saturday. So, like, again, like, you come into this game thinking... Oh, Justin Herbert's not going to make a dumb, bunch of dumb mistakes. He makes a bunch of dumb mistakes. Oh, there's no way Oregon gets beat over the top in the passing game. 
or I can get speed over the top in the passing. And it wasn't just those two plays. I think there were seven pass plays over 20 yards yeah. um, in this one, and that's very uncharacteristic. So, frankly, I'm you know you, I think you come out of this game like we like we said, both confused about what happened, but also confused. Not just in the result, but like the fact that this is what bit them finally. It was it was just uncharacteristic plays All from across. from a football team that you know for the length of the football season was essentially playing almost mistake free football. Like that was that was the crazy thing is that we hadn't seen a dud. We talked about that so much of the confidence of this team, and we hadn't seen a dud from an Oregon football team in a very long time. And we finally saw it, and unfortunately for Oregon on Saturday night, that it showed up and mm-hmm. it cost Oregon their chance at the college football playoff. And how this team rebounds from here, because does, looking at looking at this game and going back and just reflecting on our conversation with Cristobal, like obviously like he has to present himself in... A, a position of strength, right. confidence in the team. We're gonna we're gonna get things figured out, but the players you could tell, the guys that we talked to. I think we talked to maybe seven guys uh, after that game was yeah, over, five or six, like that. And to a guy, they you know a couple of them were more upbeat than others, but to a guy, they all basically said like this sucks, like, like losing is not good, and the way in which we lost is not good. You know, they a couple of them, you know, acknowledge the fact like we have to learn from this and, and move forward, and you know, and you're gonna, and that's what you would hope to hear. Sure. But you could tell whether it was through their body language or what they said that they were, you know, this this one stings. And does this now change your perspective at all on the season that Oregon football has had up until this point? I mean, they were nine and one. They were six in the country. They're going to fall in the top 25 rankings for the AP, for the coaches' poll, for sure. And they're, I think they're going to nosedive a little bit in the college football playoff yeah, rankings. Out of the top that, 10, I bet. That come out on Tuesday. And does this change, you know, the scope, the, the ramification, the excitement, the allure of, of this season after the way that this, this game was played? Were, were, they, were they operating on that small of a razor thin margin? It doesn't, to me, change the way the season has come to this point because I think you can still, like, they won nine straight games. They beat Stanford, Washington, and USC on the road. Like, right. you can't look overlook. Like, you can't overlook what's been to this point. But the next two weeks will really determine how I think you reflect on this season in the, like a couple years down the line. Like, they have a chance to still go to the Rose Bowl, yeah, and maybe still win a Rose Bowl. And if that's the end of the season, that becomes one of those remarkable seasons that you talk about for a while. But we talked about this on Saturday's podcast, too. Like, if this goes the other way... Like, it could go the other way quick. It could. They could lose to Oregon State. They could lose to Utah. They could play in a second-tier bowl, sit a bunch of their starters because either they're going pro or, I don't know, but the, the players can make the decision they don't want to play. And suddenly you're looking at a season where Oregon could have been in the college football playoff to Oregon ends up being, like, 9-4. and four. And that ends up being a season where... Or, sorry, 9-5. and five. Yeah. Which should be devastating. Um, and I, I, don't I don't know where they were last year except for one more win. Yeah. No. So, I mean, like, yeah, this could snowball in the other, other direction. So, like, that's why I think this upcoming game, especially with Oregon State, in terms of riding the ship and finishing the regular season with some momentum is really critical. Like, if they lay a dud at Autzen on Saturday against an Oregon State team, which 
also suffered a heartbreaking loss on Saturday. I think on our last podcast, we were talking about how Oregon State was going to win that game, and lo and behold, Washington State ended up having a crazy comeback and won on the final play of regulation um, to become bowl eligible. Like This is an Oregon State team that is playing at a really high level. They've been, their offense has certainly been very dangerous, and I, Oregon can't come in overlooking them or, or thinking this is an easy win, and not that I that I think that would be the case, but like if Oregon plays again, I think like today was maybe, what do you think? Their B minus, their C game, something like that. This is definitely not Oregon's best game. Yeah, they they learned that they're still not at that point yet where, like the 2014 team and the 2010 team and the 2011 team that won the Rose Bowl and the 2012 team that won the Fiesta Bowl. Those teams were so good in 2013 too. They were so good that their C plus B minus level performance, C level performance, was good enough not only to win but to blow out most teams that they faced, and that they, you know, they knew that they they had to play at their A level for maybe three or four games that year to win, and you know they were able to do that. Like, and this was a game in which you know for it finally came back to them where. You know, we, the, obviously, the penalties were down in this football game against Arizona State, and that's a positive. Three for 21 Three yards. Three for 21 yards. And that was kind of like their Achilles heel the last couple of weeks was like, well, the penalties are an issue, but they're playing so well, they're overcoming it, and it's not it's not turning into an, a, a, a real big concern yet. But Saturday night against Arizona State, it was a game in which, like, okay, our defense isn't playing well, and we're giving up the big play, but... Our offense is clicking so well that they can just kind of overcome it, and you know we'll win a game 56 to 49. It, right. won't, it won't be pretty, but we'll still win because we're, we're so good offensively. Or on the flip side, like hey, you know our offense isn't getting things going, but all we got to do is score 20 points because our defense is clicking so well, and, and they're not you know, allowing teams to, to move the ball. And this was a game in which both those sides yeah, of the football really were not playing at, at at their best level and that it literally turned into a situation where and it took them so long to figure it out and to you know and finally play good football and by the time they did they just didn't have enough time like there was only 7 minutes to go in the game when they started making their comeback and their their margin of error was so razor thin that so razor thin that one screw up cost them the game. Just one, whether that was an interception by Oregon or whether that was a big play allowed defensively. And unfortunately for the defense, it was a third and sixteen play that Oregon basically. If, if they gave, if if, yeah. if they got fifteen yards or less, Arizona State, and they had to punt the football, I don't think Oregon loses that game. I think Oregon wins. That's. I mean, I think that's 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 why that sequence was so critical. Um, because I think you're right. I think if Oregon gets a stop there and gets the ball back, they have so much momentum. They yeah. have three and a half minutes. All they have to do is score a touchdown. Yeah, they, if they kick a field goal, it goes to overtime. I mean, like there was so much on the table, and yet the that's the worst possible yes. outcome of that play is an 81-yard touchdown. It, I mean, Oregon's previous two drives, three plays, 75 yards, touchdown, 59 seconds. Three plays, 66 yards, 43 yards, uh, 43 seconds, touchdown. Yeah. Like, their two last drives... Literally, was Oregon just saying, 
screw you, we're just going to go right down the well, field and, and score a touchdown. good chance that if they get a stop there, that Arizona State's punting from around their own 20, that Oregon yeah. gets pretty good field position only has to go like 60, 65, 65 yards maybe? 70, yeah. Um, and one thing, I think you brought up a really good point talking about how like the balance of this team carried them through the season. Like You think back to Stanford and Cal, defense wins in those games. Yep. Colorado, both sides played well in that game, 45-3. to Washington, it was some late drives. It was some good defense that won that game. Washington State, the offense really carried them because the defense was not good enough in that game. USC is a little bit of both. Arizona was a little bit of both, but mostly the defense. This week, it was not. It was both sides were at fault. I, you know, and I think if you're just analyzing just the, the totality of the game, you're kind of going like there really wasn't an aspect that was at its top level. No, you can't say there was any one group that was playing their best, with the exception of maybe Blake Maymone averaging like. 50 yards a punt? Yeah, he did have to punt inside the three-yard line, right? He had three punts over 50, and then, yeah, he had one that landed at the three. He was actually really – he was, like, maybe the MVP of the game. But there just isn't a whole lot of positives, like, to, to really consider. They got beat in the passing game. They got beat in the running game offensively. I think they ran the ball effectively. They just didn't do it enough, like you said. And then the passing game was a disaster until kind of the last – stretch of the second half or the stretch of the fourth quarter where they figured things out. It just wasn't a very good or clean game. There's no question about it. I think this now sets up – I kind of wrote a story about it. I didn't say this in it um, on the site earlier, uh, but this sets up a civil war in every, every era, every legacy, every whatever, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's a person's administration of a of – a, of a school district or you know, CEO of a company, every person in charge has a few moments in time while they're in charge that really define their time in that position. And I think the Civil War is now going to be a football game in which this is going to be kind of one of those moments for Mario Cristobal and the Oregon football program. Like, they could come out and play sloppy and look uninspired early on and, and Oregon State makes it a game and Oregon comes out and wins and you know they they go down you know Oregon goes into the Pac-12 championship ten and two. And you know, we're not really thinking anything of uh well, you know, whatever. But if Oregon comes out into this football game and they play extremely well mm-hmm. against Oregon State and they play like what we all were expecting the Civil War to be three weeks ago, a blowout for in favor of Oregon like, I think that in and of itself is, yeah, the Beavers aren't, I mean, the Beavers are much improved, but they still aren't, I don't think, a quality win, and they still aren't going to, they still won't be a team that, across the country, it's going to, oh, well, that's a really quality win. Like, that's, no, not at all. Like, you know, winning 20, 24 to 17, like, oh, that's, that's a really good win. Like, that's not going to be said. Um, but if, if we get an outcome like we saw against Oregon State last year in Reeser, or the year before that, at, at home against uh, in Austin, where they won like what seventy something to sixty nine to ten. Yeah, like yeah. If we get that type of performance, I think that will really speak to the direction of this program and the leadership of Crystal Ball and his coaching staff and the leadership of this veteran team, and that they are able to kind of flush a game in which. Like Crystal Ball said after the game on Saturday, like this is a, a a game, a loss that could rip a team apart or bring everyone together. And I think that's this is one of those moments that will turn into the pillar of of the program. This is a potentially a kind of like a program defining game. I know that kind of gets overused and like, but like I think the reality is this is a game that you 
if you lose it, you lose so much momentum. Yeah. It's not just the one game. You know, you lose that game. I would be shocked if they turn around six days later and beat Utah. Um, and then, like I said, the whole thing could snowball in a crazy fashion. Um, but if you win this game, you have some momentum built up. And again, the Rose Bowl is still very much attainable. I mean, Oregon still has a chance to, you know, if they go into the Rose Bowl and they beat, whether it's, I don't know, Penn State or Minnesota or Ohio State, I guess technically is still a possibility if they were to lose in the Big Ten, champ- Big Ten Championship game. Then you have a ton of momentum going into the offseason. This season feels like, again, a really notable season. But, like, just looking at this Oregon State game, we were talking about this right as we were leaving Sundale, yeah. Sundale Stadium. I feel like this game could go one of two ways. It could be a repeat of the last two years where Oregon just totally, I don't want to say craps all over Oregon State. That seems crude and crass. But, like, goes out and just dominates and wins by five to seven touchdowns. Like, I could see that happening. Oregon State comes out flat. Oregon has just got the better players. It's big brother against little brother. And Oregon goes out and, and wins handily. Like, I think that's on the table. But there's also part of me that's like, if things don't, don't go the right way, like, I feel like it's one what of the What happens two if they go three out offensively yeah, and what the Beavers march down the field and score? I think, I think Oregon State's going to score points. Like, their offense is really potent right now. Like, that's, that's a really good Oregon. I mean, that's going to be one of the better offenses Oregon's played in a while. It's an offense that went toe to toe with Washington State and Pullman. Yep. It scored 53 points. And Washington State's the best offense in the conference. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now Oregon Statistically. State's, Oregon State's defense is garbage. I mean, yes. it's terrible. It hasn't been good all season. Um, maybe the worst defense in the conference. I don't know if that's fair because part of the reason they score a lot, a lot, a lot of points is that the offense scores enough points that a lot of shootouts they're in. But, um, this is certainly going to be a game where you learn a lot one way or the other. I think we, it's been an interesting season. I feel like we thought we learned a lot, and this game right here feels like it kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing. And we'll see what happens in in about a week here because if, if Oregon doesn't right the ship and they lose this game, I think it's going to cost them much more than just you know a rivalry win. It's going to cost them so much momentum as a program, and um, I think fans will start to kind of second guess what's going on here, which is a weird way for the season to end, considering how special it's been to this point. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me as always. Kind of touching last bit stuff on Oregon versus Arizona State. Looking ahead now to Saturday's game against the Oregon State Beavers in the Civil War game, uh, which will be played. We don't Sunday after, Saturday afternoon. Um, this is going to be a football game in which I I think there's now a lot of intrigue. I mean, the last couple of years the Civil War hasn't really meant anything. Yeah, no, it's been nothing. like neither team was really playing for much or. It wasn't competitive. And now Oregon State is walking into this game, A, playing for bowl eligibility, because they lost in a heartbreaking fashion at, or- at Washington State. Sure did. Um, so they're trying to get their sixth win. They're already playing with house money, and because no one expected this to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody. They're ahead of schedule. They're way ahead of schedule. And Oregon, there's intrigue, because how are they going to respond to such a gut-wrenching loss? Are they going to just look at the Civil War game as it means nothing because they can, you know, their their most attainable goal, highest attainable goal is the Rose Bowl, and it doesn't, you know, getting there is not impacted at all from winning this game or not. So, what kind of interest, focus, mental, you know, composure do they have going into this one, and you know, how quickly can they adjust? Um, and oh, by the way, like there's all that stuff going on, and. On the field, like there's some players on Oregon State that I think are going to cause some problems. hundred oh, percent like, for for this Oregon team, and I think it starts with Isaiah Hodgkins at, at receiver. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, like if you think, I mean, Oregon's faced some really good receivers these last group of games. I mean, you think about they've saved and, and they saved Trayvon Bradford. They didn't play him against Washington State to save him. Oh, I wasn't for, the, that. for the Civil War, so that they had all their arsenal ready to, to play against. Oregon. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, if you thought Brandon Ayuk was a problem, if you thought the USC receivers were a problem, then I think USC receivers are probably on par, probably a little better than than Hodgins, but he is going to be an NFL wide receiver. I don't think there's any question. He is arguably the conference's top wide receiver, and he is statistically um, basically across the board. He's having an incredible season. I mean, uh, this is a guy who we should note almost came to Oregon. I mean, yeah. it was a recruitment that came down to both schools. It's the rare one. It's the very, very rare one that um, Oregon State got over Oregon. But this is a player who has already over. You know, he's already surpassed the thousand yard mark. He already has over fifteen touchdowns this season. Um, he's playing at an incredibly high level. 
um, you look at that game, uh, just the way he's played all season, he's somebody you have to be very much aware of. And, and honestly, like, with the way Oregon played in its secondary in this game, uh, they, they need, they, they're going to need to play at a very high level. They're going to have to have a bet, much better game because Oregon State's going to cause some problems. And I also think there's going to be so much motivation from an Oregon State perspective to try and, and win this game just because of how lopsided the last two years' games were. I mean, those were dreadful performances from Oregon State, embarrassing performances where they lose. I think 69-10 is a record-breaking uh, loss. I think, you know, 55-10 to 10 or 15 or whatever it was the year, before, the year after is another devastating loss. Like, Oregon State has a ton that they're playing for here. And I think Oregon, Oregon does as well. And that's why I think, like, I don't... If Oregon loses the next game, I, think, I don't think it's going to be because... They overlook Oregon State. I think it's going to be because Oregon State's playing better football than Oregon. And you could argue based upon how Oregon State's played basically since they got thumped at home against Utah on October 12th that, like, Oregon State's playing pretty close to the same level of Oregon. Like, you look at that, they beat Cal on the road, they beat Arizona on the road, they had a close loss at home to Washington, they beat the same Arizona State team. And honestly, they should have beaten Washington State if not for a play at the very end of the game. And this is a team that, over the last five games, could very well be... Four and one, which would match Oregon's record over that same span. So this is a team you have to take very seriously. And if, I know you, you get used to it being, oh, it's just little brother, it's little brother, big brother, who really cares kind of thing. Like that's not what this year's game is at all. I don't think. Does this? Where is your confidence level going into this this civil war, and more importantly, going into the Pac-12 championship? Because that's what all that matters right now. I was, like, I was like it, say. it doesn't really matter what happens in the civil war because. They're still playing for the conference championship. They're still going to be the berth for the Rose Bowl. Like, obviously, it matters. Like, sure. Like, yes, it, me saying it doesn't matter is not true. But in terms of just what's on the table and possible for Oregon, the outcome of that game doesn't change. What is your confidence level though now of where it was before the loss to ASU and now going into Oregon State? What is the confidence level you have in this team winning the conference championship and getting to the Rose Bowl? And what will you will it change at all? Will it, will the possibilities of that improve in your mind with what happens against Oregon State, or is just this a game? It's not going to change your opinion until they play a real good quality opponent. I think my opinion of Oregon doesn't change necessarily how I think they'll play in the conference championship game. I'm more like. Utah is just playing at a different level right yeah. now. I think, it, I, honestly, my opinion on Utah has changed a ton over the last month of the season. Um, I think Oregon can win. I, 100%. But I'm just like, Utah, over the last, since they joined the conference, they, they've been very close a handful of times of being Pac-12 champions. Obviously, last year they played in the game, but they always seem to kind of unravel at the end. Last year was injuries. This year they're healthy and they're just steamrolling teams. Yeah. Like, they, like if you look at it, um, I mean, let me just run it down. Since they lost to USC on September 20th, they beat Washington State 38-13. They beat Oregon State 52 to seven. They beat this Arizona State team 21 to three. It was a game where JT Dan or uh, JT Daniels, J- Jaden Daniels was four for 18 for 25 yards and an interception. This is a guy who just threw for 400 yards in Oregon's defense. Uh, next week, 35 nothing over Cal. Close win over Washington on the road, 33-28. And the last two weeks, 49-3 over UCLA. 
we should mention UCLA just scored like what 38 points against USC and 35-7 on the road at Arizona in a game where it was 35 nothing and Arizona scored a late touchdown. Like they're just killing teams right now, and and I I, re- I really think that's going to be a really challenging game. Um, and frankly, like if if Utah beats Oregon, if they beat Colorado next week, which I think they clearly will. To me, they deserve to be in the college football playoff. I know maybe the resume won't be quite there, but like if you just look at how they're playing right now, they're clearly one of the best teams in the country, and I think it's going to be a really, really tough game for Oregon. Right really now, I, I think if these two teams are going to play, they are. But I think right now, I would probably say that like a spread, like Utah seven point favorite, like maybe six and a half. Yeah, I'd be, I'd, five, be, I'd really be interested to see what it looks like. Five, five and a half, six, six and a half point favorite in favor of Utah. And honestly, like, if Oregon comes out and plays like they did against Arizona State on Saturday night. They get steamrolled. They get steamrolled. And it's ugly. And it's not, it's not good. And I think another factor that we're waiting to hear, and we'll hopefully get more of this later today, uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast, because Mario Cristobal will speak with the media on Monday, um, afternoon, is what is the status of Jake Hansen mm-hmm. at center? Because he got hurt in that football game. Saturday night, and all Cristobal would say is he's you know being evaluated. Don't know yet, and you can, you I mean, you can say whatever you want. I mean, Frockmorton I think played pretty well in that game. Yeah. There were there were some snaps that were a little snaps maybe were, not necessarily they weren't the, they weren't fastballs. No, and they weren't perfect. But at the same time, like I don't think the snaps really were the reason why the offense wasn't clicking. No, like not at all. You I can't say I can't, that. I can't argue. But that. I think. Throckmorton not playing at right tackle and Brady Ayello having to play at right tackle uh, and you not have Jake Hansen in, that really changes the dynamic of the offensive line because now if if someone like Dallas Wormack, who's gone down continually through his career at Oregon, yeah. gets nicked up, Brady Ayello is not the guy coming in. Or if someone needs a rest... And we've seen that happen a ton. This might be Stephen Jones loses his redshirt year kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, what do you do there? Because, like, Alex Forsyth, a sophomore, is kind of like the utility guy. Like, he can play all the positions. Do you play him? Or do you play, or do you decide we need to, to burn Stephen Jones' redshirt? We talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Of, yeah. That's a really fine line that they're walking because if they play Stephen Jones or they play Amalasala, those guys basically waste an entire year because they're trying to redshirt them and they've kept them out of some games that they could have gotten a ton of snaps in, could have gotten development better, could have maybe helped against an Arizona State game, and yet they didn't play them. And late in the situation, you you play them again, now you waste almost an entire year. Well, and the other thing is you're now taking... Calvin Throckmorton, who I would argue is probably Oregon's third best offensive lineman. I mean, I would say second. You think he's better than Lemieux? Yes. Okay. Whatever you want. Uh, uh, they're they're tight. Yeah. It's two A, two B. Whatever you want to sure. call it. Um, but you're taking him and moving him from his best position, which is why he's at right tackle to begin yep. with. That's his best position. If his best position was right guard, he'd be playing right guard, and Brady L would be playing right tackle. But that's not the case. So you're moving him to center, which is you know Brady L is a very comp- accomplished player. He's got a lot of starts. You have to be aware of like. That neutralizes one of your your second or your third best offensive linemen, regardless of whoever you want to rank them, from the game. And to me, that's significant. Um, and, and again, like I, I didn't necessarily think the snaps were great on Saturday. In fact, I had people texting me after the game, like, why was Hanson so bad in the second half? Because apparently the ESPN crew didn't pick up on the fact that it was Throckmorton out there. 
And I was like, well, actually, Hansen wasn't bad in the second half. He just wasn't playing. So we'll find out more on his health. I think that's critical. Jalen Red's health, also absolutely critical. We should mention he didn't play in this game. I think you know that if you follow the, if you watch the game. Um, if he's not available against Oregon State, you're now again down two of your top four wide receivers, and yeah, in a game that's probably going to be shootout-esque, you know, like I think Oregon State's going to score some points. Um, you need all your, you need the whole full complement of weapons, and if you don't have a player of of Jalen Red's caliber, who's really one of their go-to guys, then eef, that makes things even more difficult. Yeah, and I think this is a game in which I think an early key, and I said this against Arizona State, and it came back, I think, to bite Oregon, is just like Arizona State, Oregon needs to get pressure on Jake Luton. Have to, yeah. I mean, he's one, of, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference this season, mm-hmm. which is just... Mind-boggling. Surprising. Um, and he doesn't throw interceptions. I think he threw maybe one or two against Washington State, but going into the Cougar game, he, he had just one interception all year. Um, I just look at this, and I'm, and I'm like, you have to get pressure. And Jaden Daniels was really good against, yeah. against Oregon. Fantastic. But I think part of the reason why was because Oregon gave him an opportunity to play at his best because they couldn't get pressure, and they couldn't – Rush his throws. They couldn't make his speed up his internal clock. They couldn't. They allowed him to set his feet and throw the football, and that's a big reason why he was able to throw for over 400 yards and what four touchdowns and be able to do everything that, that he did and carve up that Oregon defense. And I think for Oregon State, you have to be able to find a way to create and generate pressure against Jake Luton because if you don't. I don't care how good Thomas Graham and Diomede Lenore and Michael Wright and Javon Holland and the rest of the Oregon secondary is. Like They will not be able to cover Isaiah Hodgins, Trevon Bladford, Ty John Lindsay, uh, Champ Flemings. They won't be able to cover those guys for five, six seconds. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, They just won't. That's just, that's just basic defense. You're, you can have the best five defensive backs in the country. And they will not be able to, to to defend a play for six or seven straight seconds. Eventually, someone will get open. And if Oregon can't generate pressure on Luton, that's going to be one of the things and one of the reasons why the Beavers stay in the game. Well, there's a direct correlation this season, and it's not surprising at all if you <laughs> if you follow college football between Oregon's defense getting pressure on the quarterback and the quarterback's not performing very well. Um, the games where Oregon gave up the most yards passing, or at least had the hardest time defending the pass. Washington, Washington State, and now Arizona State, in those games they combined for, I think, just three sacks. Yeah, it's not good. Um, you got to be better than that. Um, you know, you look at the games where they stop the other team's quarterbacks, and of course they're playing different caliber of quarterbacks, but like Stanford, five sacks, four against Cal, six against Arizona. Um, they had a, only had two against Colorado, but they had five, um, eight quarterback hurries. Um, they just didn't get after Jaden Daniels, just like they weren't able to get after Jacob Eason. Um, and Anthony Gordon, and, and again, those are games where they got beat up pretty good through the air, and those were obviously, you look at the way the Pac-12 season has played out, those were their three most competitive games. Those are the only games that really were competitive. The other ones, they all won by um, at least a couple touchdowns. So, yeah, no, I think I think you're, you're right on on that, and it's got to be a group effort because this, this group has been too good this season in terms of quarterback hurries, in, ter- in terms of pressures, in terms of forcing sacks, to 
go to, down like to this. go down like this. Yeah, I mean, it's been a little disappointing the way that they finish off the season because, again, you look at it, they had four or more sacks in the Nevada, Montana, Stanford, and Cal game. Since then, they've had four more sacks in just one, and that was against Arizona when they had six. So um, they only had two against Colorado. They had one against Washington, one against Washington State, two against Arizona State. So they, they, yeah, they need to be better um, at getting after the quarterback. And I think that does get lost because it's really easy to point the finger at the defensive back of, man, why didn't you, why, why couldn't you stay in front of that guy? Well, the reality is if the quarterback is under duress, he's not even trying to throw the football 81 yards down the field, right? Like, I don't think that, that Brandon Ayuk play does not happen if Jaden Daniels is has having to scramble or doesn't have time to throw the ball. I mean, like, the fact that he was able to sit back there and just wing the football all the way down the field is why that play worked. All right. There's going to be tons of coverage on DuckTerritory.com this week. It's a Civil War week. Uh, Big Brother versus Little Brother. Uh, we'll certainly have wall-to-wall coverage of that. Chris Ball speaks Monday, so we'll have... Depending on when you listen to this podcast, we either have or we will have mm-hmm. tons of fallout from his Monday press conference availability. The Oregon offense and the Oregon defense will speak on Tuesday with the team. Uh, we'll have tons of coverage from that. And then leading you all the way up until Saturday's kickoff, we'll have a podcast with an Oregon State insider. Uh, we'll make our Mailbag Wednesday. We'll also do our Ultimate Preview podcast as well. So lots to look forward to on this Civil War week. Uh, the week is just getting started. A ton of storylines to watch, so stick with DuckTerritory.com. For Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Brain, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Adios, amigos. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.